Hello, everyone. Dr. Chris Martinson of Peak Prosperity here back with you again. Today, we're going to be talking about an absolutely out-of-control government debt situation. You need to know about this. You need to be prepared for what's coming. I want you to become resilient because, oh my goodness, there is a total storm coming, and I have to talk to you about that. So let's go there right now. Out-of-control debt. We are entering what I'm going to call the terminal phase. This is when exponential functions get away from you. And we could see things get out of control very quickly. Hyperbolic? Well, let's look at this very quickly. This is a chart. And by the way, everybody should know how to read charts. It's a really valuable life skill. I'm going to walk everybody through this one. This is the U.S. 10-year note. This is the 10-year treasury note. And it's across, uh, what, about three months of data here. And you can see it went from about 3.8% to closing in on almost 5% as of today which is October 19th, we are looking at 4.95%, just a whisker away from 5%. It's the interest rate has been relentlessly rising. Now, why is that? That's what we have to talk about. Interest rates are the opposite in a seesaw fashion with the price of the bond. So because the interest rate is rising, that means the price is falling. That means people are selling. There are more sellers than buyers of these bonds. So the yield goes up. This has a lot of impacts on our lives, but I think this could get out of control soon. And here's why. Mystery solved. Who's been doing all the selling? This is a chart of U.S. federal debt. I pulled this from uh, the debt to the penny. comes straight from the U.S. Treasury Department itself. Three lines on here. On the bottom is what's called intragovernmental holdings, which is a fancy way of saying a rated Social Security trust fund. When that orange line on the bottom is rising, the government is taking money that you've paid in through your FICA payroll taxes, and they're using that to send to Ukraine and other things like that. They're, they, they throw it into general government spending. The next line up is called debt held by the public. That's the blue line. And then the red line is the sum of those two lines. I think you can clearly see that really the driver in this show is debt held by the public, that blue line. That is the one driving this. Now, there's a couple of very important things we're going to talk about on this chart. When you understand them, the future will become clear. And unfortunately, you may not like the implications of that future, but you deserve to know about it. So I'm going to bring it to you here. Well, what would we notice about this chart? <clears throat> well, let's start here. I've drawn a black line on it, which is the slope. See that black line that's sort of cutting across that last part of the top red line there? That tells us what the slope of government borrowing has been, and it's a lot. And by the way, I took that same dark line, just copy-pasted it, and moved it over to a period earlier, around 2013, where you can see, ooh, yeah, the government was going deeper and deeper into debt all the time from 2013 through 2020. But then post-COVID, it's got a whole new line. Believe it or not, it looks like an optical illusion, or maybe it is an optical illusion, because those two lines are exactly the same. I just copy-pasted. You could get a little ruler out and hold it up to the screen and move it across, and you'll see that that's the same line. What I'm trying to convey here is that the new slope of government borrowing is vastly steeper than it was prior to what it was in 2020. Like 2013, 2020, yeah, you know, it's about a trillion dollars a year. Now it's way higher than that. So how much higher? Let's go there. This is, I show you that inflection point happens right there at July 1st, 2020. And since July 1st, 2020, the U.S. government has added $7.2 trillion 
more dollars. That's what that big number is up there. 7-219-720-619-850. That's $7.219 trillion. That works out to $2.2 trillion per year because that's a 3.3 year time frame from 7-1-2020 to here at 10-19-2023. $2.2 trillion a year. Ay, ay, ay. But that last little bit up there to the far right on that right line, what, that little thing that I've circled right there, that's what's happened over the past 134 days. So that's about, I don't know, about a third of a year or so, give or take. And that has gone explosive. You've probably seen it in the news. So we're going to talk about that for real quick. Since the debt ceiling got raised, and that's what we're seeing, see that flat spot right there before that green square? That flat spot is when the debt ceiling was being held, and then they made a deal. And since then, well, they've had to do some extra borrowing since then. Since then, there's been $1.8 trillion in new borrowing since the debt ceiling was raised. That's in 134 days. Since Because that's 36.7% of a year, I said it's about a year, 134 days. What does that mean? It means that if we have 365 days of borrowing at the same rate we've had for the past 134 days, that works out to $4.96 trillion per year. This is extraordinary. It's explosive. It means that in the last month we've had, and that's from 9-17, September 17th through to 10-17, which is where I pulled the data from, $600 billion of new borrowing in just a month. $600 billion new borrowing. That is the Treasury Department going out into the market and saying, we'd like to sell more bonds to you. Remember, the price of a bond and its yield are an oppositional seesaw. So when they're selling more bonds, they're driving the price down. That's driving the yield up. That's what's been happening. It's not a big mystery. Very easy to understand. If we just make this really silly, we break it down. In 134 days, there are 3,216 hours. That means that the U.S. government debt has been increasing at the pace of $566 million per hour since July 1st, 2000. Um, oh, no, sorry. In the past 134 days, um, which gets us back to about June in this story. Uh, but the government doesn't work 24 hours a day. So if we said they work eight hours a day. There are 1,072 working hours in the past 134 days. That means that the government has been deficit spending at $1.7 billion per working day. Uh, overall, that's $13.6 billion per day. The U.S. government has been deficit spending at $13.6 billion per day for the past 134 days. This is extraordinary. This is why inflation is being driven up. This is very easy to understand. When you have more money being spent than is being taken in by the federal government, this is a strong driver of inflation. If you've been wondering why your grocery bill is so high, why your rent is going up, if you've been wondering why your property taxes have been going up or your insurance for your car, your house, if you've been wondering about your health care premiums, that's very easy to understand. We can understand all of that in these numbers here. This is unacceptable because this means that the U.S. government has been specifically targeting and harming middle class to lower middle class people because they disproportionately share the burden of having 
their cost of living go up. Cost of living doesn't really affect Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. Eh, doesn't really matter. They don't even notice. But for somebody who's just trying to get by, this is devastating. And this is where it starts. And by the way, if we back this up, we can see that this actually has been going on since July 1st, 2020. It's just, it's been explosive. So what do we make of that? Well, and here we are. So interest rates are spiking. <clears throat> what does that mean? Well, it means things like, well, obviously mortgage interest rates are climbing. Interest rates are near 8% now for a 30-year mortgage. That means that mortgage demand has fallen to the lowest level since 1995. This means people can't afford to buy houses at these prices. House prices are going to have to come down. Wages are going to have to go way up <clears throat> or some combination. But this means that people who want to start a household, they're just screwed in this story. It's impossible to make the numbers work. <coughs> Excuse me. Remember, it was just a little while ago, Cynthia Loomis asked Jerome Powell in a Senate hearing, hey, it's the United States federal government debt growth. Is this unsustainable? And he said, well, no, but the problem, quote, the problem is that we're on a path where the debt is growing substantially faster than the economy. And that, by definition, in the long run, is unsustainable. And he's absolutely right. It's very easy to say it's unsustainable. I would also question whether U.S. government debt is sustainable all on its own, because you can see I've carefully put in a little hockey stick down there. Remember, I'm the guy who talks about exponential growth. If you watch the crash course in that first chapter, we go over exponential growth. You need to understand it. Bottom line, all you need to understand is that things speed up towards the end. Once that hockey stick corner gets turned, that's when things go faster and faster and faster. If you feel like the world is going faster and faster and you can't make sense of it, welcome to the world of living in exponential growth. So our debt in the United States has turned the corner. It is now growing exponentially. You see, I had to actually add that little bar up there to, to make this chart current. I'm going to laugh about it because that's where we are. As bad as it is, folks, it is now projected to get worse. This is from the Peterson Foundation, where they look at where we are today, which is that little that little dotted line, that little dotted line there. Um, and you can see, look at the what that projected part going forward, what's projected to happen to the federal debt as a percent of GDP, which is the income in this story. And I think all I want you to do is notice the shape of that, right? It goes right, goes up like that. You've seen this shape before. They are saying that our debt is about to explode exponentially faster. You know what happens in between here and somewhere in that story? Our currency system breaks down. Oldest story in the book, those in power, it's never a good time to have an emergency. They always want to kick the can down the road. We're out of road. They've kicked the can as far as they can, and now they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. And this, of course, is going to impact you. I need you to understand that so that you can become prepared and resilient. I really don't want you to get harmed by what's about to come. So what does that look like? Well, we see, I hopefully put the little hockey stick in there, right? For you. All right. Here's what you do. You become resilient at peak prosperity. We talk about building eight forms of capital, financial capital, really good to have lots of financial capital. There's things you can do to manage your financial capital better, but none are so poor as those who only have money. To those of you out there thinking, you know, I'm pretty well uh, I'm set. I've got a pretty good nest egg. I think I can weather this storm. You're right and you're wrong. You're right because you'll be better positioned to weather the storm, but you're not right 
if that's all you have, because, well, let's talk about, say, emotional capital down there at the four o'clock position, five o'clock down there. If you fall apart at the first sign of trouble, if you get tunnel vision, if you can't think clearly, if your faculties to process shut down because of the emergency that's coming, I don't care how much money you have. You are not going to make good decisions and you're probably going to make some serious blunders. So having your emotional capital topped off, very important. Knowledge capital. What do you know how to do? What skills do you have? If you don't have money, like, ah, Chris, this doesn't matter to me. I don't have any money to invest. It does matter because you can be building your knowledge capital up. This is something that everybody can transport with them wherever they live, right? I can take my skills with me. Hey, if I know how to distill spirits, I'm going to be a pretty popular dude if I go to a place where they don't know how to do that, right? If I know how to build houses, if I know how to uh, process chickens, these are all skills that are really important to have. So that's knowledge capital you see down there at about the 3, 30, 4 o'clock position. Material capital is where a lot of people start and unfortunately stop in this story. They're like, what do I need? I'm going to buy some, some, you know, get some stored food in my basement. I'll get some extra sets of clothes and shoes. I'm going to make sure that my house has uh, solar on it. These are all great things to do. But this isn't where the conversation ends. Having material capital is really important, especially in a time of high inflation. So to have the ability to have a deep pantry, for instance, where you have a lot of that material capital, it's in a deep pantry, you've got 30 cans of tuna fish, but that's how many you might eat in an entire year. Well, <clears throat> you put them in that deep pantry, you rotate them through, and then you will be shocked in a year. When you get to the end of that and you look at the price on the lid, you're going to be like, oh, it was that cheap once, right? Because that's the nature of being in a high inflationary environment. These, each of these eight forms of capital, I won't go through them all now. These are the things that we talk about at Peak Prosperity. So I want you to consider coming by Peak Prosperity because I want you to be resilient. I want you to be able to avoid some of the troubles that are coming. That's why we are the number one online resilience community. We've got incredible people there talking about all of this. Hey, come for the amazing analysis I provide, but you're going to stick around for all the other amazing people. We have a, a deep and vibrant community at Peak Prosperity wrestling with all of these conversations that we need to have. And by the way, we have a complete no questions asked 30-day money-back guarantee. Try us for 30 days. Day 29, you're like, not my cup of tea. No problem. You get your money back. Um, and just uh, for now, you can join for 30% off. So we'll make it even easier. Just use that info code down, the info 30 code in the checkout process. Very easy. There's a box that says, do you have a code? You put info 30 in there and you will get 30% off. And by the way, here's an example of the kinds of conversations that we are having in our community behind our paywall. And we do that. We have a paywall for a couple of reasons. People ask why we have it. Well, we're running a business and we have expenses, but most importantly, we do it for you. Keeps the trolls out. We have one of the most civil conversational areas. Even with the whole explosion in the Middle East, we had a lot of people having strong passions, but it never became uncivil. We were able to have conversations with each other. That is the culture we have at Peak Prosperity. These are times are tough enough without us having the inability to have reasoned, full-throated, wide-ranging conversations. And by the way, nothing is off the table. We will talk about it all. And finally, um, I'll just leave you with a couple things. These are very recent testimonials. I think these capture well the spirit of what it means to be part of the Peak Prosperity Tribe. 
Rector wrote here, this is why I'm a paying member here in response to a, a common thread we had. He said, I intuitively know something is off, but I don't have time, the time to sift through the data and establish it as fact. Chris does this for me, just as I've done for here for you today. This is what I do daily at my own website with my community. And I continue preparing for the future that these kinds of shenanigans tell me is inevitable. Making life choices and resource allocation choices is hard if you're unsure of the rationale. It's hard to be confident when the propaganda is so thick. The end is nigh. Thanks for summing it up for me. It's all BS. Rector. One more. Um, YR1970 wrote, Hey, thank you, Chris, for your unwavering commitment to delivering accurate and unbiased information about all topics. Your objective reporting and refusal to take any side but the truth are greatly appreciated. Many independent channels are objective until the issue of Israel comes up and then they toe the line. I'm proud that you do not. You always provide a valuable perspective to allow us um, to uh, form an opinion and our own opinion. Keep up the excellent work. And that is who I am and it's what I do. I don't take sides. I present data. I present context. We talk about the truth of the situation as best as we can have it. Look, we might not like it that the world is going this direction, but putting our heads in the sand, son, that's no way to go through life, particularly not at a time like this. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. The U.S. government is in the terminal stage of this story. Remember, folks, how do you go broke? Slowly, then all at once. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.